What's up you guys? Hope everybody's doing good today. Uh, I'm going to keep it really short starting this thing off today. Um, for the most part, all I'm going to do is talk to you just about a couple of little things. And what I'm going to do is what I've done in the past when Georgia's had a bye week, I'm actually going to add in uh, the other show that I do that's called SEC Talk that I do with a good friend of mine, Cody. Uh, I'm going to add that in to the end of this episode to give you guys some content at least on some of the things that are going on around the SEC. Obviously not much happening with Georgia not playing this weekend and the game against Missouri being postponed uh, to later on in the season. So not not really a lot to go on there. Uh, you guys, again, follow me on Twitter. I think I say it every time now, uh, at DogTalk20. That's what it looks like when you go to the page there. Obviously not all this other fun stuff that's uh, wrapped around it, but nonetheless, y'all follow me on there. That'd be awesome. I really appreciate it one way or the other. And... Uh, We'll, we'll jump right into it. Your top 25 has dropped. I will at least run through that for you guys. Not really much changing in the top 10 outside of Indiana. Jumping up a spot in Wisconsin, swapping spots with Miami. Uh, they jump up a few spots. Miami falls down to 12. Georgia does actually fall one spot down to 13 uh, after not playing this weekend. Not really a big deal there. Uh, doesn't really matter where you where you line up as far as that goes. Tulsa does jump into the top 25. Uh, for the most part, everything you know, nothing's too too special. A lot of games obviously canceled. Uh, back to our Georgia Bulldogs. A little bit of news that I've been listening to is Carson Beck is getting some reps there at the uh, quarterback position. Obviously, JT Daniels the same thing. Stetson Bennett he's still a little beat up. Um, I think he is slowly but surely starting to wait, work his way back into it. Uh, a lot of rumors that were going around about George Pickens transfer, transferring. Excuse me, that's not happening. Uh, he, he's sticking around. He was at practice this past week and do expect him to be in practice uh, as we continue on for the rest of the season. He's just been dealing with an upper body extremity injury, so no worries on that. You guys don't fret. Everything's going to be all right. He will be back on the field soon enough, and we'll be able to see him play some more. Uh, one of the kind of strange things that I heard was there is the possibility uh, the Dewan could move out in the wide. Dewan Mathis, quarterback, could w move out to the wideout position, play a little bit of wide receiver. Uh, now this could just be a little bit of speculation as as far as that goes. May not have much truth to it. So something to keep an eye on. Obviously, uh, we've got a whole another week before we get geared up to play Mississippi State at the house. Mississippi State. Uh, I think they. I don't think they played this past weekend either, did they? Take a take a look. No, nope, they were off this past weekend. As well, I think Corona issues, whoever it was that they were playing. Um, so, regardless, they didn't play this past week. So, uh, I mean, over half the SEC is coming off of a bye. Uh, whether they wanted one or not, they ended up with one. So, good thing for Georgia. It did come at a time where we are pretty beat up in some injury spots. So, hopefully we can get a lot of those guys back uh, by the time we get back to it this upcoming weekend and play against uh, Mississippi State, like I just said. So, again, don't have much for you guys. Just wanted to bring that to you guys real quick. I'm going to jump out and you guys uh, just check out um, SEC Talk that's going to follow this up again. This is just another show I do just talking about SEC football uh, with a good friend of mine. So, hope you guys enjoy that. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another show, another show of SEC Talk with your host, Holden and Cody. Hope everybody's doing good today. Cody, how we doing after a pretty boring weekend as far as SEC football goes, with there only being 
Uh, just a handful of games, really. Not even a handful. This is he played this weekend? Yeah, kind of didn't even feel like it, did it? <laughs> just a few, the few games that we did end up having this weekend. It just, it didn't feel like a normal weekend, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think we had what seven on the schedule to begin with. Yeah, four we, got postponed. We had due the full coronavirus. That's right. We had the full slate going, and it didn't end up being the full slate that we ended up with on it at all, which was. Which was mighty strange, but you know, sometimes. Yeah, I think. Okay. I said sometimes that's just the way it goes in this day and age and this just strange year that we're having. It's twenty twenty. That's about all you can. Say. Yeah. That, that sums up this year. Is it's twenty twenty. Yep. Um. But yeah, like you mentioned, we only had three games this weekend. So with those four being postponed. <clears throat> Not a lot of changes here in the top 25. Um, we'll cut our top 25 for y'all real quick. And also going over some news and some big news that just was released tonight on November 15th um, that we kind of ha- thought was going to come around, but we'll get to that here in a few minutes. Yeah, like he was saying, running through top 25, a little bit of news. We'll obviously review those few things. We do have our Crimson Dog of the week. we got a couple of them for you guys. We'll come back go back through our picks some east and west rankings that i finally updated after a couple of weeks uh, and some percentages as of today to make the college football playoffs uh, so a lot to get to even though there's not a lot at the same time uh, we're going to add some stuff to it to kind of make it fun for you guys uh, y'all go ahead and follow us on twitter and facebook at sec talk 20 whenever you guys get a chance i'll go ahead and throw up on the screen for you guys watching visually there's the three games from this weekend as well as your updated top 25 right there. Cody, you want to go ahead and run through our new top 25 there? I know not much changed in the top 10, but uh, uh, rounding that yeah, out, there was a good A little bit of a change in the top 10. As far as the top 8, though, your top 8 stays the same going into week 12 of college football, finishing up week 11. Number one top dog of the year is, or this week, is Alabama. They were auto last week with the game against LSU being postponed. Due to LSU's numbers being too high, or, yeah. Um, Notre Dame takes number two spot, sitting there. I think they had a game against Boston College and won that one fairly easily. Ohio State also had a auto weekend as their game against Maryland got postponed. Clemson sitting there at number four hole, Texas a number five hole, with their game also being postponed due to their numbers being too low. Number six, you have Florida with their victory this past weekend over Arkansas. Number seven, you have Cincinnati. Number eight, you have BYU. And jumping into the top, well, they're in top ten last week. They're moving up a spot. Their number nine is Indiana. Um, sorry. Uh, jumping up to number ten is Wisconsin, which is two and zero on the season. So. They must see something in Wisconsin that the rest of us don't jump in them up three spots in this week. Um, sitting number 11, uh, at number 11, you have Oregon. Number 12, following three spots, you have Miami. Georgia, who is idle, gets pushed back another spot to 13th. Oklahoma State sitting idle at 14th. Marshall jumping up, tied up now, according to this, tied up with Coastal Carolina. Both of them sitting at 15th. Um, with that being the case, Iowa State is holding up at 17th. Oklahoma holding on 18th spot. Northwestern jumping up four spots to number 19. You see, 
USC sitting at number 20, Liberty jumping up a spot to 21st, Texas falling one to 22nd, Auburn and uh, jumping up a spot to 23rd, Louisiana Racing Cajuns uh, jumping up 24 spot and jumping to the top 25 after their big win is Tulsa. Yeah, I was surprised they were Tulsa getting the win over uh, SMU. Uh, that, that's your that's your updated top twenty five for you guys right there. Like you said, not much really happening in the top ten outside of Indiana jumping up a spot and Wisconsin basically swapping up with Miami there, coming from twelve up to or excuse me, uh, actually they were in thirteen I believe because Georgia actually fell yeah. one spot down to thirteen. Um, well, let's jump into some of the news. I mean, the big news that we did have coming out of. South Carolina this weekend that we talked about last week was watch out. You know, we both had a good feeling that Will Muschamp's seat was hot. Sure enough, it was. We had the question last week, in this strange year, can you or would you fire a coach? I didn't think, I think at the end of it, I don't think we thought that in the middle of the season uh, it would happen unless it was maybe Vandy. Uh, But we were, (laughs) I mean, we kind of caught it, but at the same time, uh, I didn't I think, think it would have happened in the middle of the year. It. Yeah, I think we were back and forth. We never really, I don't think we actually gave a definitive answer on that. Um, I think it really just depends on the circumstances there. And I guess South Carolina, you know, looking at their, looking at the record over the past few years, they're, they're like, you know what, we're done with this. Yeah. Um, he yeah. hasn't produced a whole lot there in South Carolina, so they decided to get rid of old Muschamp. Yeah, Athletic Director Ray Tanner, he did announce on Sunday – uh, Mike Bobo is going to come in and he's going to serve as the interim head coach for the remainder of the season. Muschamp was 28-30 and 30 overall in his fifth season at South Carolina. So I think the SEC is the first one to come out and they're, they're kind of, I guess, setting the tone for everybody, you know, and I think this could be a tone that kind of like a shock, you know, heard around the world. Uh, Harbor, Harbor there up there at Michigan, you know, he's not having a really good year. I don't think that you would get rid of uh, – uh, man, I'm, I'm completely blanking on Penn State's head coach. I don't think that you would get rid of him. Yeah, that's right, James Franklin. I don't think you would get rid of him just because he's been great in the years past. This just turns out to not be as good of a year as they anticipated Penn well, State having. Um, I, I think with Penn State's situation, I think you kind of give him a mulligan on this year. Um, you know, you didn't have a full-year practice. You had a lot of issues. You started late. So kind of give him, you know, the benefit of a doubt this year because yeah. it is a rough year to play in. But as far as Muschamp, or, yeah, Muschamp goes, I mean, yeah, you had the same situation as every other team in the SEC, but, you know, you just ain't been up before. You're 2-5 and on the year. Yeah, and that's, so, that is also a difference in it, as you know, James Franklin, he, he's had winning seasons the past couple of years. I think he's, he's had 10-win seasons. Uh, it, it could be longer than that, whereas Muschamp's not looking at a 10-win season over the past couple of years. And, again, this is in the middle of his fifth season. Um It'll be kind of interesting. Excuse me, kind of interesting to see what happens with Muschamp from here. Uh, you know, Mike Bobo coming in as the interim head coach. Who knows? That could be another one of those LSU situations with uh, Gold Tigers. That could be a situation there with um, Ed O, where Mike Oh Mike Bobo might end up being the sticking spot there. Not sure. We'll see how things shake out as far as that goes. Uh, but one other thing that I did actually see on Twitter earlier um, for another show that I do. Anyways, uh, was they were talking about how good of friends Will Muschamp and, and Kirby Smart are. And, you know, Will Muschamp's son plays football at Georgia. Uh, you know, they, they've got good ties and stuff. What, you know, could you see Muschamp maybe going on staff there at Georgia? I don't know. Might be something to keep an eye on. Uh, but like we said, obviously he is out there at South Carolina. 
Uh, and again, I think it's something that's going to kind of open up to the rest of the country where teams may look at that and they say, all right, well, we're not going to go that route. We're going to at least wait till the end of the season. Or it might open the floodgates and teams decide, all right, he's been on the hot seat. We're not sure about this. Let's go ahead and make the move now. Now, at the end of the day, I think he's still got like a 21 or $22 million payout uh, to come his way. So I don't think he's going to be hurting on the financial side of things. Uh, now to just be figuring out where he's going to land. So with, with that being said there at South Carolina, let's jump right into that South Carolina Ole Miss game, which South Carolina scored a lot more than I anticipated them scoring. Uh, but in the end, they obviously fall to Ole Miss. Yeah, a lot much about South Carolina Ole Miss. We knew that this was going to be an absolutely zero defensive game this year. Um, we've seen it several times with Ole Miss, you know, when they played Alabama, for instance, early in the year. There's no out, there was no defense on that game at all from neither side. And this game, pretty much same that story. The only difference, I think, is that quarterback there at Ole Miss, Matt Corral, who went 32 for 20, 28 for 32. 513 yards and four touchdowns. So he was picking apart that that uh, South Carolina defense, and I think we all saw something that we're real familiar with Lane Kiffin doing on the sidelines, calling a touchdown for the balls even left the quarterback's hands. <laughs> yeah, that was that so, was pretty good there. He he knew it was happening, knew it was coming. That's oh, for yeah. sure. You know, and on the um, on the other side of it, Colin Hill didn't look bad as far as quarterback goes for for South Carolina. I mean, he does wait, make a mistake on the night, but he does have a touchdown and throws for two hundred thirty yards. The other side of that is running the ball. You know, uh, South Carolina's leading rusher there runs for almost two hundred fifty yards and has five touchdowns on the ground for South Carolina. So the ground game was a movement uh, for South Carolina, whereas obviously we know Ole Miss's defense is about like Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got a great powerhouse offense that can throw the ball down the field, being an Ole Miss, excuse me, uh, but they don't have a defense. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's – I mean, they only had 195 yards rushing as a team on 48 carries. Yeah, they're at Ole so, Miss. Yeah, at Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, but they averaged – they had four of the touchdowns. Um, Matt Crowell had four of them through the air. So, that's the – Big yeah. difference there in that ball game than a field goal. But um, I mean, nonetheless, like you mentioned, those South Carolina did prove that Ole Miss's running defense is non-existent. I mean, you give up 318 yards total and 243 to one quarter to one running back plus five touchdowns. Yeah, it's pretty much a ball game there. Yeah, and we knew um, we knew Elijah Moore was going to be a key receiver. Before this season even started, he proved that. 225 catches, two touchdowns. And then, uh, uh, oh, man, I'm completely blanking on his. Uh, Braylon Sanders was the no. was the secondary guy there, 141 yards. So, between the two of them, you know, they're talking right at right at 400 yards alone in just those two guys there. So, the yeah, air game I mean, was definitely happening there for, for – go ahead, sorry. Oh, yeah. oh, you're good. I was just saying, uh, yeah, you're definitely right. I don't miss that air game going real good. On the other side of the ball, South Carolina's uh, Shy Smith had 117 yards on 10 receptions. So he was actually looks like their biggest target there um, for South Carolina. Yeah, he actually reared back to throw one pass, but came up incomplete on it. <laughs> yeah, you can't have it all, all of it now. No, no, that's for sure. So in the end, in in a game in a weekend that you don't get to watch a lot of teams play watching those and it, it was strange that that was actually the game that you got to watch in prime time 
Uh, but nonetheless, if you wanted to see an offensive battle back and forth, that was the game to watch right there. And I was I was really surprised how how close South Carolina kept the game. Whereas it could have it could have been a lot worse. I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. I think you thought it was going to be a little bit tighter. I think you were a little closer on it. Uh, but but in the end, Ole Miss does get the win, 59-42 over South Carolina. Let's go ahead and jump right on into Vandy, Kentucky, because that was another one I never anticipated to be in nearly as close as it was. But Vandy's offense showed up, whereas Kentucky's defense did not. Yeah, I mean, this game, I think we were all thinking Kentucky's going to come in, you know, big boy Vanderbilt and just demolish them where in other terms – the Wildcats struggled a little bit there and almost lost it. Um, Vandy's, Vanderbilt's one of those teams you really can't sleep on just because you never know how they're going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ken Seals went 21 for 32 on the night with 225 yards and two touchdowns. And then Mike Wright also went one for one with a two-yard pass for a touchdown. So Vanderbilt's offense, you know, they have a little spark behind them. They could do something. It's just getting that spark going earlier in the game. Um, going into halftime, Vanderbilt or Kentucky had a twenty-four to fourteen lead on, or I'm sorry, yeah, twenty-four to fourteen lead on Vanderbilt, and Vandy came out after halftime and made some stops when they need to, but just couldn't finish that, finish off that game. Yeah, on that other side of it, Terry Wilson does go 13, 15, 110 yards, two touchdowns on the night. Chris Rodriguez, he ran the ball really well for him, 149 yards, two touchdowns on the ground for him as well. Terry Wilson followed him up 83 yards, one touchdown on the ground there. You got you got some really good guys going uh, there for Kentucky, and, and they've got so much talent, but they just don't seem to be putting the talent on the field as far as it comes defensively. It seems like they can put some offense out there, but defensively they're having a lot of trouble, and that's that's been the topic of the year around the SEC is defenses for teams, you know. Georgia was the only one really putting up a defense, and in the two games that mattered the most, that being Alabama and Florida, the defense was not nearly as stout as people thought. So it's just been such an offensive year for teams, uh, and and clearly we're seeing that. I mean, you're looking at Kentucky winning 38-35, just like we just said a minute ago. Ole Miss wins 59-42. I mean, when is the last time we saw SEC teams putting up you know, almost 40 points for both teams are as many points as you're seeing on the board uh, and not either shutting teams out or defensively keeping teams within, you know, under 20 points in a game. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing games now. I mean, this year alone, you're seeing games. I think all the games this year have been right at probably combined score of 70 to 80 points. And it's been split. It ain't been one-sided for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um. There's only been a handful of one-sided victories, so that one's kind of kind of interesting to see what's going on there. Um, yeah, no, that's true. I was Ken- at the wrong one. No, good. Kentucky does move, and they improved to three and four on the season. Vandy falls to zero and six. Still not looking good. I still don't see a win in Vanderbilt's book as they continue through the rest of the season. Uh, looking at yeah, what the next three is going to be the toughest games of the year, I, I think. Yeah. Um, and I also remember that uh, Kentucky last week also lost their offensive line or the, the offensive line coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. To a two-year battle of cancer. So I saw where they, I think the first place, first play of the game they lined up without their um, was it left guard. I think that's what it was. Yeah. 
truly a touching mm-hmm. moment there. That was special. I'm glad, I, you know, you knew there was going to be something in it, and it's anytime something like that happens within an organization, to see somebody take uh, just some something as simple as a play like that, it means a lot, you know, and to see that it was – it's very moving to be able to see something like that. So I'm really glad that they were able to put something on the field uh, to be able to commemorate him uh, in that way. Oh, yeah. So that was special there for Kentucky. But in the end, Kentucky gets the very emotional win by a field goal, squeezing it out 38-35 to 35 on the year. Um, I guess if you don't have anything else, we can jump on down to the – well. The primetime matchup of the night, I guess you can say. Yeah, yeah. Let's roll on down to to Gainesville, where Florida. I mean, that offense, like we talked about a minute ago, just kept it rolling. One touchdown shy of, of putting seventy on the board. Yeah, I kind of had an idea this was gonna be a high scoring game, just because we really ain't seen a Florida defense all year. Hmm. Um, they've been kind of hit miss, so you didn't really know what was gonna happen. But Kyle Trask and that. Florida Gator offense goes out there and show showing what they're made out of and giving two old Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Kyle Trask goes 23 for 29 on the night with 356 yards and six touchdowns. So he's trying to get there going big boys with him. <laughs> um, I think last time I seen a quarterback this good at Florida when they had Tim Tebow. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. That's, that's more than likely the case and, and... – you know, I mean, I've picked him the past couple of weeks to be the Crimson Dog because he's putting up so many yards. It's, it's unbelievable uh, to watch. You know, he set the record, obviously, the SEC in the first four games, throwing 18 touchdowns, which is the most in the SEC history, through that many games starting the season like that. And he just continues to rack it up. I, I saw a crazy stat earlier, not meaning to go back against Georgia on this, but it's, it's the easiest stat that I find because as far as offense goes, all teams seem to be firing on all cylinders and, and Georgia seems to be the only one lacking as far as uh, not really putting up much offensive progression in the games. Now, defensively, they show up most of the time, but Kyle Trask in the last two games alone has thrown as many touchdowns as Georgia has scored all season. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and I hate, I, hate to, I hate to harp on Georgia with Georgia having the bye week this past week. Uh, not on their own terms, but so let me jump back into one other thing, and that was Felipe Franks. Obviously, was the quarterback at Florida last season. Transfers to Arkansas this season. He does travel back to the swamp for the first time since then. Goes 15 for 19, 250 yards, has two touchdowns on the night, no interceptions. Uh, so had a pretty productive night there as far as that goes. Uh, running the ball, uh, Arkansas did run the ball for 208 yards. So offensively, just in the rushing and the passing category, they're putting up. Over 450, right at 460 yards. Uh, Rakeem Boyd did fumble the ball one time. Uh, They're running the ball. He only ran for 10 yards through the game. Don't know if he got hurt or anything like that uh, throughout it. But I was expecting Arkansas's defense to stand up a little bit more How than they do. Yards? What you got? How many yards did Rakeem Boyd have? Uh, oh, I see 56. Sorry, I was looking at I was looking at the receipt. I was looking at the receiving side of things. Rushing wise, he ran for 56 yards. Sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, so Did have a touchdown on the night, but receiving, he only had 10 yards, all right? <laughs> yeah, I think yours doing like mine does. It kind of jumps down. Yeah, it'll, it'll slide, um, but, but yeah, unfortunately, like I was thinking, I thought Arkansas's defense would stand up a little bit more than they did. Didn't quite happen, obviously, if Florida beats them 63-35. You know, I was pulling for that 17-and-a-half to keep it a little closer. 
Sam Pittman, obviously, continue prayers to him. I don't think he's got any symptoms, but he's still out with coronavirus. We'll see how that shakes out for them because, like I said in previous episodes, I think that he's kind of the heart and soul and the momentum uh, that, that there is in that Arkansas football team to get that team hyped up and going. Yeah, I mean, you look, you look at Arkansas as far as defensive-wise, I mean, Florida only had 208 yards on the night rushing against them. So, for them, and let's see, Florida had 45 years, whereas Arkansas had 32. So, defensive-wise, Florida and Arkansas, their running game defense is okay. Yeah. It's the passing game that Florida's taking advantage of. And I really believe that if you shut down that passing game, if you can get pressure on Kyle Trask, that's going to shut Florida down. Yeah. You saw that a little bit when Florida actually, or excuse me, when Georgia actually put a little bit of pressure on Florida. Kyle Trask had a little bit more trouble, but when they just sat back and only ran, rushed four at him, he had all the time in the world to be able to find those pockets and, and hit them. Yeah. Obviously, having Kyle Pitts back there for him as well in that tight end spot made a big difference, too. That's That dude's a beast as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, that helps you when you have big targets like that, but it also helps when, you know, you're, when you're playing a team whose defense just does not comprehend, mm-hmm. you know, there were several plays where there was wide open Florida defenders just because of a busted coverage. Yeah. And I think most, I think just about every one led to a touchdown. But, I mean, when you have a quarterback in Kyle Trask that has the accuracy that he does too, it, it makes it hard to defend. No, that's and you for saw sure. That against Arkansas, so. That's for sure. And I, and I know this is looking ahead, but I will say in Arkansas, uh, one fun one I'm looking up forward to is this upcoming week where LSU and Arkansas match up. Arkansas, I know this is, again, this is looking way ahead of time, but Arkansas does open as a one-and-a-half-point favorite there at home against LSU. A couple of other ones, again, just looking forward. Ole Miss is traveling to Texas A&M. Watch out for that one because Ole Miss can put up a lot of points there. It depends on if A&M's defense can show up in that one and if A&M's offense will also show up. The only other one that I'm really excited about is maybe that Tennessee-Auburn game. Maybe Missouri-South Carolina, but more Tennessee-Auburn. Again, that's looking way forward. Let's go ahead and jump right into our Crimson Dog of the Week. Cody, I know you were just talking a little bit about who uh, who you were thinking, and, and uh, I think you just touched on, on your guy there, if you want to tell us who it is. I think we're just, we, just going to make him a permanent Crimson Dog of the Week just because <laughs> of the stats he's throwing up. Um, I think you had him two weeks in a row. On, yep. He's going to go third week in a row on our show, guys. We're going to go with a quarterback from Florida, Kyle Trask, and the numbers he's putting up there, I mean – Went 23 for 23 completions on 29 attempts, like we said, with 356 yards, six touchdowns, and a QBR of 96.7. And I think he has some rushing yards, too. Yes, has seven rushes for eight yards. So, not a whole lot of running there, but passing wise, I mean, I mentioned it's hard to defend a, a, a good, accurate quarterback, and that shows we've seen that happen in the past whenever they had Tim Tebow there. That's who he kind of reminds me of seeing him play. He looks like a Tim Tebow. Yeah, he's a tough dude, and sitting back in the pocket, if you give that dude enough time, he's going to throw it all over you. Uh, like you said, he, he makes it the third time this week. I decided I've got to change it up a little bit um, after having him two weeks in a row. And the only guy, There's probably a couple other guys I could have put out there, but the only guy that I wanted to put up outside of that is another quarterback in Matt Corral there at Ole Miss. 
28 for 32, 513 yards through the air. He's averaging 16 yards right there, four touchdowns. 97.6, they had the same QBR in this game. How about that? Runs the ball 10 times, 20 yards, another touchdown there. So five total for him, six total for Kyle Trask. A couple of really good dogs there. Uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is Matt Corral's second 500-yard uh, game on the year. Uh, it very well may be. That's that that could very well may be the case. First one, who was it they played? I think it was against Arkansas. He had 500 yards. Uh, it may have been. May have been. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent on it. But congrats out to Florida's quarterback, quarterback there in Kyle Trask, as well as Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral for being the Crimson Dogs of the week. Let's go ahead and jump into our picks of the week from this past week. Didn't look too bad, Cody. You are now 19-6. And because I decided to take the strange other pick and finally even us up, I'll be 18-7 and seven after pulling for Arkansas. I did take Arkansas in the over. Or excuse me, not the Arkansas. I took Arkansas in the points uh, at 17 and a half, obviously. Uh, the couple touchdown win there for Florida. Or few, I should say. A handful. <laughs> Uh, yeah. that, that's that's a little bit more than 17 and a half there, so I did lose that one. I did take the win for Ole Miss over South Carolina, get the win there. Moves me again to 18 and 7. Cody, uh, you got, I mean, you swept it. Three for three in the baseball term, three and oh in the football terms, putting you to 19 and six. You were a lot closer in some of these games. Like we were talking about, I think Kentucky and Vandy, you picked it there 31 24, ends 38 35. A lot closer than I anticipated, but you, you picked it a lot closer. Uh, Arkansas-Florida, you had Florida getting a pretty good win, and they did end up getting a win by even more, um, nonetheless. And then in that bottom, you had it a lot tighter than I did. And and sure enough, it was a lot tighter. But either way, you get it. 3-0 and on the weekend, I go 1-1. One and one. Let's look at Mad Dogs. I know uh, on the show, podcast-wise, if you listened to us last week, we didn't get it in on the air because it was right after we had finished recording I actually got the message from him on it, and I did put we did put it up on our socials, uh, but didn't get it in the podcast. I'm at least going to get the results on it. Boom, there it is. He took the points with everybody. He took Vandy for plus 17 in this one against Kentucky, obviously gets the win there. Uh, he took Ole Miss with 11 there against South Carolina, gets the win there, and he did the same as I did taking Arkansas in 17 and a half on Florida Falls there. So he goes two for one on the weekend. Had a winning weekend, though. Moves into six and seven overall on the year. So not too bad of a day there for Mad Dog as far as his picks go through the week. Uh, I finally did update your East and your West rankings here. I'm going to run through them real quick, Cody, and we'll finally get back to you here. Uh, Florida does lead the East at five and one. Georgia right behind them, four and two. Kentucky there in the three spot, three and four. Missouri, two and three, following that up. Tennessee at two and four. South Carolina, two and five. Poor Vandy down there at the bottom. 0-6. Oh, they're, they're just kind of hanging around, aren't they? Let's jump over to the West real quick. Alabama 6-0. and oh. Standing at the top, A&M right behind them at 5-1. and one. Auburn 4-2. and two. Arkansas and Ole Miss at 3-4. and four. LSU 2-3. and three. Mississippi State holding up the bottom at 2-4. and four. And one of the other segments that I wanted to jump through, Cody, that I know I think I sent to you a little bit ago if you wanted to run through it with me. Uh, we now have updated chances to make the college football playoffs. I'll let you run through those real quick. If you, if you, if they finally sent to you, I don't know if they made it or not. Yeah, I got it. All right. Um, yeah, we're starting at the top of the list. You have, according to, I think they use the All-State predictor that they use for ESPN. Um, right now, you're looking at Alabama having an 89% chance of getting into the playoffs. 
Ohio State at 61, Wisconsin at a 55, Notre Dame at a 49 as of right now, Clemson at a 43, Oregon at a 30, BYU, a non-Power 5 team there um, with a 25% chance, Florida with an 18% chance, Cincinnati another non-Power 5 team there with a 12% chance, and Texas A&M with a 7% chance. So three of your 10 teams that have a chance to make it are SEC. Yeah, and these percentages, they're, they're actually pretty good. You know, we were talking about it earlier. Wisconsin not having really played any games because of the coronavirus kind of slowing them down the past couple of weeks. It's surprising seeing them way up there, but from what they've seen so far, they see enough to tell you, hey, these guys look good. The number that's kind of interesting to me is that Notre Dame's at that 49%, whereas Clemson's at 43 Obviously, that's because Notre Dame beat them, but I think you and I are in – I think we're kind of both in the same boat as far as thinking that the rematch more than likely in the ACC championship is going to have Clemson uh, over Notre Dame. I, I Listen, I, I don't follow the ACC deeply enough to know if they have uh, like an east and a west or a north and south or anything like that. I think last time we looked at it, they do. They do or don't? They don't. Okay, so, so, so if that's up. the case, it'll be the top two that would play, which we would think that Clemson would probably edge them out the next time just because it's hard to beat a team twice in a in a year, but I guess that's all of this is probably just based after this 11th week uh, that we've been playing. So once championship weekend comes around, who knows that that may change up a little bit. Yeah, they don't have a. I thought they actually had a split, but I guess they don't. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I tell you, as far as the SEC goes, there, like you said, Alabama 89%, Florida 18%. Those two more than likely are going to be the team to play each other. Then you got. A&M that's still in the mix. They do have a 7% chance there. They're the only loss to Alabama. If A&M can win out and Alabama can beat Florida, there is the chance, depending on what happens with Notre Dame and Clemson, I think is the biggest question, what happens with Ohio State and Wisconsin. I think that that's, that's your test right there. If Notre Dame was able to beat Clemson again, you might get that, that little bit of an edge to say, let's throw a second SEC team in there, and it could be A&M. The only question is, if Alabama's at one and A&M's at four, I think it's a lot harder to say, let's see that rematch. But, I mean, I don't know. It could happen. But I think if if Clemson came in and they beat Notre Dame in the championship, more than likely you're going to end up seeing like an Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson. You might have two ACC teams in there. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Could you imagine the possibility of Notre Dame and Clemson playing a third time in one season if that was to happen? Uh, here's my thing. Look at this real quick. Um, you know, Notre Dame's still undefeated on the year, along or so as. Um, hold on, let me get pulled back up real quick. Uh, okay. So your undefeated teams left out of that list is Alabama at six and zero, Notre Dame at eight and zero, Iowa State at three and zero, Cincinnati seven and zero, BYU eight and zero. Wisconsin and Oregon both at 2-0. And I think that was it, right? Yeah. Because then you're Yeah, I think you got like Marshall and, and Coastal and stuff, but I think they're going to be too far down the line rank-wise yeah. for it to matter. That's kind of my thought as, as far as this goes. I think Wisconsin may edge up there, but Ohio State and Wisconsin are eventually going to play, and that's going to play itself out. I think you give Ohio State the edge, but my question is, are they going to allow Cincinnati and BYU to be high enough ranked for that to matter when these top dogs – I mean, you take Notre Dame and Clemson, 
when Clemson lost to Notre Dame, Clemson fell to fourth. They didn't fall below an undefeated BYU or an undefeated Cincinnati, and that's because they think that Clemson is better. And if Clemson beats Notre Dame, I don't see how Notre Dame can fall below a BYU or a Cincinnati. Just touching on, um, since we're talking about that area, Ohio State is actually second in their division behind Indiana. Wisconsin is second in their division behind Northwestern. Ohio State and, um, let me put back up. Ohio State does not play Wisconsin in the regular season. Yeah, it would be in a Big Ten championship game. If they meet up, it's in the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, your matchup for the Big Ten is actually Indiana and Northwestern. Well, that's and that's also because of the games played. Northwestern's exactly. played four, Indiana's played four, Wisconsin's only played two, and Ohio State's only played three. At the end of the year, the the unfortunate thing for these teams is they're not they're, in the Big Ten. Those games aren't being made up. But the thing that I find interesting also in this percentage is you got Wisconsin at 55%, who is ranked 10th. Indiana, that is ranked 9th at 4-0, doesn't even have a percentage on this chart right here. Yeah, no. I, I don't it could be it could be a 1. Now, we don't have anything ranked below 7% right here. So there, there's, there's teams that are ranking 5%, 2%, 1%. So they're probably in that 1% mark. But, I mean, it, get, it just goes to tell you, Wisconsin, I believe, had they played a full four games already and been 4-0, I think they're going to be above. They could be sitting in that six, maybe even five spot, bumping a bump, a bump above those teams that have one loss in the SEC, depending on how they feel about it. I'm not 100%, but. Yeah, I mean, you never know looking at the rankings and how they go because, I mean, we talked about in the past where you had things who were um, – undefeated or at played yet and we're getting jumped by a team that hasn't even played. Yeah. yeah you take it's BYU like, yeah. BYU yeah. an eight and team sitting in the eight spot. Whereas they're below a seven and one Clemson that well, we, that lost to Notre Dame. Uh below a five and one A and M who lost to number one Alabama. Below a five and one Florida who lost to the team right above them in A and M. Um, so they're obviously not giving them the credit yet, and it's 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 so hard to have this conversation about oh well they haven't played anybody, very true, but they can't. You know this isn't a year that they're going to let BYU go and play an SEC team unless it's in a playoff. This isn't a year they're going to let BYU go and play an ACC team unless it's in the playoff. So that's what makes it so complicated about this year and how this is if any. I mean I don't want to be in the committee at all any year. But if there's a year to really not want to be in it, this is the year when you have when you have conferences because I I really think it's going to boil down to your Power Five conferences minus one. That's what it's going to come down to. And right now it could be minus two. We could take the Pac-12 out of it. We could end up taking uh uh what is I'm completely blanking on uh Oklahoma Texas Big Twelve. That's all. So you know. Uh, Big 12's out. I'm gonna call that right now. Big 12's out. Yeah. So you could you could be I mean, your dropping a couple there. Big 12 right now is Oklahoma State at 14. Yeah, and they're five and one. They're more than yeah. likely that's not gonna somehow slide its way on up the chart there. You do have a you do have a two and O Pac 12 uh, there in Oregon that's that's slid up the chart, but I, I just don't know. I, I I don't know that they're gonna have enough body of work by the end of the season unless the top 
ten just tears each other apart, which could happen. It's very well possible. It's very well possible that could happen. But Florida has an easy rest of the schedule. Texas A&M has an easy rest of the schedule. Alabama has, for the most part, an easy rest of their schedule. Uh, Ohio State is what it is. Notre Dame, their biggest test is going to end up coming in the ACC championship when they rematch against Clemson. So it's going to – I mean, we got a lot of football to play. We're, we're just for – it's kind of strange to think that for some conferences we're not even at the halfway point. And then for others, we're, we're, we're getting to the nitty-gritty. We're getting to the end where there's only three to four weeks left of football to play. When you look at Notre Dame's schedule for the rest of the year, they have an easy schedule cleaning it out. Yeah. They got, their biggest challenge is going to be next week or the week after. No, next week, I'm sorry. Um, and playing North Carolina, who's 6-2 on the year. And if, if anybody remembers, North Carolina's a team last year that about slipped up on Clemson. Mm-hmm. And well, at, at one point, North Carolina was also ranked, I think, fifth in the country. So. Yeah. And you look at Clemson's their last three games of the year is Florida State, which should be an easy win. No offense to FSU, but they just gotta get that situation fixed down there. Um, they got Pitt, who's four and four in the year, and Virginia Tech, who about slipped up and beat Miami. Mm-hmm. Or did they? No, Miami won it. Did they? Okay. I know it was a, it was a close. Yeah, I mean. Miami won by one point. So, right now you're looking at Virginia Tech's. One of their losses was to Miami. They lost to North Carolina, too, and Wake Forest. Yeah. So, you, you never know. And yeah. you get some teams there that can make a big change on how this season turns out. Well, I'm going to throw something on the board for us. We haven't gone back in and we haven't updated this. Since we did it, I'm fairly certain it may have been week one or week two of SEC football play. It may have been right after week one. It may have been just before. Um, so this is a kind of a fun thing, and this is college football playoff. This is the teams we anticipated being there. Yours right now looks really, really good. I'm going to throw it up on the screen for everybody to look at. You've got in the one spot, you've got Alabama playing the number four team, Florida. Now, the only thing that I think takes this out of contention is if Florida was to lose to Alabama in the SEC Championship, I don't see them being there. Now, if Florida beat them, I don't see Alabama being a one and Florida four. So that might change. But then in the two and three spots, you've got Clemson and Ohio State. So your four teams there right now, I'm fairly certain, are the four teams that they would anticipate being in, uh, with maybe an exception to Notre Dame or Clint or yeah, Notre Dame. That may be the the caveat in it all. Now, well, I will say too. Go ahead. Um, looking at this right here, looking at his top twenty-five, a team that to me is sitting just kind of odd right now, and their destiny is not in their hands for the most part. Just looking at their schedule, is Texas a If Texas a wins out and they're sitting in number five spot, their only loss was to Alabama at the beginning of the season. Yeah. If Florida plays Bama in the championship and Alabama beats Florida. You have a undefeated and a one-loss SEC team in the top five. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, I'm gonna put mine up here, and this is this is the one that would take the miracle. I have Ohio State in one, which is not not impossible. I have Clemson in number two, which is not impossible if Notre Dame was to fall to Clemson and they decide to keep Notre Dame out. I've got Alabama in four, which more than likely would only happen if Alabama fell in the SEC championship game. Now. 
This is the miracle pick right here. And the miracle pick is if somehow Florida just boogers everything up and falls and Georgia gets into the SEC championship and beats Alabama, I've got Georgia in the three spot. But as of right now, more than likely that's not going to happen. <laughs> and obviously preseason we talked about it and we thought that Georgia would be the team to play Alabama in the SEC championship after falling in the regular season to Alabama and Georgia finding themselves in that spot. Uh, as of right now, I don't think that these are going to match up quite as well. We can Once we get a couple of weeks down the road, maybe right there at the end of the regular season, uh, we'll put up who we think is going to end up in the playoffs before we get to championship week, which will kind of be a little, I guess, a little bit of a fun thing that we can put up, you know, just, just to kind of see just kind of see what happens. Again, I'll throw the percentages back up so far for the teams that they're thinking as far as it goes uh, on those games. A lot of questions. Can guess on who you, you know? I mean, most time by this point, you can look at your top twenty, your top ten, and be like, okay, you got a good idea of who's going to be your top four. Yeah. Right now, I don't say this set in stone because I, of that number seven and number eight spot being held by Cincinnati and BYU. Yeah. And I, I mean, like you mentioned, yeah, they don't play nobody, but if I'm the committee I'm looking at okay you have if, a, if BYU goes undefeated and Cincinnati goes undefeated to me it's be, it'll be hard to not give either one or both of those teams a chance if even if let's say Ohio State does go undefeated on here well you're only looking at a one, two, three, four, five. there'll be eight no or no I'm sorry Seven up on the year. With their best, I mean, you got a fifty-two. With their best win is over Penn State, and it was a 35, 38, 38 to twenty-five pick. Is their best win to me? Uh, yeah. I mean, they haven't been three games, but yeah. Now their next game, who I think this game will determine and tell you how they look is their game against this weekend against Indiana. Yeah. That game this weekend will, will tell you just how important this ranking is. Because if Cincinnati, I'm going to look at the schedule real quick. A uh, game against Tulsa got postponed. They can go, they can go 10 0 in the season. They can go 10 0 in a regular season. And right now it's looking very possible. And this is who again? Cincinnati. Oh, okay. And then BYU could BYU's gonna finish ten and zero on the year. Um, are they playing eleven or are they playing ten? They're playing ten. Okay. So they ain't got two. Get, they got they got two more weeks worth of playing. Yeah, and they're in. Are they in a conference? No, they're in. No, they're conference. independent. So they don't. So they won't actually have a championship game. Hmm. But I think Cincinnati will. Yeah, Cincinnati will have a, a championship game, and they're looking to play Tulsa right now. Which is cracking into that top 25. I will say, I do think their percentage is perfect as far as Alabama goes, because I don't think Alabama loses another game in the regular season. Even if they lose in the SEC championship, to, as of right now, we think it's going to be Florida. I think you have to still give Alabama the nod. The only thing there is, if Alabama was to fall to Florida, you have, in my opinion, you have to put two teams that are nine and one in the or 
Alabama would be 10 and 0 in the regular season. Florida would be 9 and 1 in the regular season. Depending on how all these makeup games and stuff happen, that that also has something to do with it. But two teams that would only have one loss going into the based upon where they've got everything ranked right now, at that point you have to put two SEC teams in. But then what do you do with a Notre Dame and a Clemson if they are the only teams beating each other and you have an undefeated Ohio State up there? The thing right now that's got it all jumbled, which college football playoff, obviously when that committee starts voting and they do their top 25, is going to completely change things, which last I looked at that time, uh, Tuesday, November 24th. So we are, what, a week? We're two weeks away from that first playoff ranking that's going to be released. So once those rankings... Once those rankings start to come out, it's going to make a big difference as far as that goes. Now, and we'll be able to tell, but right now, looking at the AP Top 25, yeah. the issue you have is you've got a Texas A&M ranked right there at 5-1, and one, I mean, in, in fifth at 5-1, and one, that if they win out, there's no reason they should have to fall if the only loss they have is the Alabama. The yeah, very well possible 9-1. and one, So then, now, and that's when you have to decide, does a 10-0 BYU, are they better than a 9-1 Texas A&M who only lost to the top team in the country? Or, well, you know. You know, I will say that whoever wins, because Florida's one loss this year was to Ole Miss, right? Or A&M. That's right. So, let me look at that game real quick, see what that score was. And it was a close one, 41-38. I think it's going to come down to who has the best loss. And as of right now, to me, the team in that team that has the or the top five that has the best loss is Clemson. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Now, if Clemson, I will say whoever wins the ACC is going to be in automatically. No doubt. That's a guarantee. I think the guarantee is Big Ten winner, uh, ACC winner, SEC winner. Those are the three as of right now, Big Ten, maybe the Pac-12. We'll see where Oregon no. lands in a couple of weeks. But I, I don't even think the Big 12 has a chance at, at this point. No, no, no. I, the Pac-12. I don't think the Big 12 we had to worry about. But the Pac-12, uh, I think, is the only other one. If Oregon was to go undefeated, that's a question that, that comes raised. Again, this is a reason. Uh, another reason that they there's so many people advocating and pushing for a an expanded playoff. Make it an eight-team expanded playoff. Um, so you can, if you get in a situation right right here where your top eight teams, let's just say only three or four of those have one loss. Half of them are undefeated. Half of them have one loss. Or, you know, just over half of them, say six of them, or excuse me, say five of them are undefeated and three of them only have one loss. That's That's where I can see an expanded playoff not only making it easier on the committee, but also justifying these teams that are in the top eight to be in a situation like this. Because let's face it, when it comes down to it, if you're not in that top four at the end of the season, even if you're going to a big primetime bowl game, a lot of teams shut down. Take Georgia, I'm not even going to take Georgia, for example. But there's, there, there's just so many teams that when the end of the season comes, if you're not in the playoffs, that top four team, your seniors or your juniors, they decide, all right, I'm going to go ahead and opt out of this game and get prepared for the draft because they don't care about the game because all it is is a bowl game where you're going to get a, a couple little goodies from some guys and you're going to go on with your life. Whereas if you can expand that, I think then 
first of all, you're also putting a bowl in those games, which makes it worth not only the bowl carriers, but makes it worth it for the players to decide, okay, if we're expanding this to eight, all we got to be in the top eight, and we stand a chance to be able to at least get in it. Um, so I'm for an expanded. It makes it a lot longer. It makes it a lot more difficult. Um, and I know it's all about the safety and, and, and well-being of the players and things like that. So I, I don't know. But this is a year looking at it right now, which, again, we've got a lot of football to play. But looking at it right now, it would make so much more sense and make it a lot easier on everybody if it was an expanded playoff. Well, I will say this, too. You've talked about the expanded, the expanded playoff. Look back to 2004. And there's going to be some fans that they're going to remember this when I mention it, that they don't already know what I'm talking about. Auburn Tigers were undefeated in 2004. And they did not play the national championship, BCS championship game. Mm. But you had, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that would be very difficult right now to only put two. Could you imagine if we were still in BCS where your top two teams were the team to play? Like, could you imagine at the end of this season, if you had a an eleven and zero Alabama, if you let's just hypothetically say eleven and zero Notre Dame, eleven and zero Ohio State, ten and zero BYU, eleven and zero Cincinnati, could you imagine that? That's that's the possibility of a scenario showing up right here where you have an eleven zero in Alabama, eleven and zero Notre Dame, eleven and zero Ohio State. Uh, let's just call it a ten and one, or two, at that point would be ten, uh, nine and two, Clemson. Um, a nine and one, A and M, Florida would have two losses at that point. But a Cincinnati that could also be undefeated. You've got possibility of four to five undefeated teams sitting there before you ever even start thinking about. I couldn't imagine if there was still BCS only two. In this kind of era, where you have more than one team generally that's undefeated, that goes into it. Look at look at last year's playoffs. I think every team except for what one had one loss going into it. In what year? Last year, LSU was uh, undefeated. Uh, Clemson was yeah. undefeated. Oklahoma, I think, I think had one loss. Uh, there was one other team. Um, it wasn't Notre Dame. I can't think of who the fourth team was, or maybe it's the third. Ohio State. They were undefeated. So, uh, you take three undefeated teams, how do you decide who gets in and doesn't? I think that's the same thing that you were making. Obviously, UCF, they're always going to have their argument for, yeah, we were undefeated, but we didn't get to play for it either. You know, it is what it so, is. Part of it's a body of work, again, but. I'm trying to plug real quick. Um, come on now. Uh, While he's pulling that up, you guys follow us on Twitter at SEC Talk 20 and on Facebook, same thing, we're over there. Uh, trying to be more active on it um, gets a little bit difficult throughout the, the work day. We don't do this full time. We both have jobs uh, outside of this. So you guys bear with us as we try to put up as much information as quickly as we can, as quickly as we get it. Sometimes we're not as active. But I promise you, if you ever send us a message like this, comment or anything on there, I promise you we will get back to you almost immediately when that happens uh, just because we do enjoy the interaction with you guys. No, you're good. All that. You're good. But, um, yeah, the BCS, I think it was it, – I'm glad that we're out of it, and I'm glad it went to the 14 playoff, and a lot of people are saying that, in, that we need to go to the eight. And, yeah, it makes your season. 
you know, two more games. But at the same time, to me, I think it's worth it. Yeah. Because then you're going to get a better competition all around players. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be a good thing if they went to the 18 playoff. Um, honestly, this year would have been the best year to try it out just because of everything that's going on. You know, which they still could do that. You know, it's not set in stone yet because they haven't released. They've released the times and all, but they can still change it. You talking about this year? Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say it can't. I know they've already released the times and everything for the bowls. So the only thing that can happen this year is a four, a four game playoff. They couldn't expand no. it to an eight game this season, but I know next season they have all the ability to be able to take well, take still, action they, now. Well, I think whenever they they get into their meetings and they look at it, they could probably still do it. Nah, I don't, this I don't, season, I think they could. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I know there's yeah, a lot of, I know there's a lot of money and, and stuff like that. TV, oh, there's yeah. just, there's way more behind it than we know. So I, I don't know as far as this season goes. But, but let's let's go ahead and jump out of uh, the topic of the playoff because, like I say, there's a lot of football to be played before we really have to, sure enough, grind down to that kind of stuff. And one thing I did want to talk about is. Um, before we jump to a fun little question that I've got for you, is Kyle Trask. If it's me right now, if the Heisman has to be picked today, I think he's the guy who wins, wins it. You know, no no knock on like Mac Jones. Obviously, unfortunately for him, having to have another week off with the coronavirus stuff going on, it takes some from him. Justin Fields, same thing for him. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, being out because of coronavirus. There's a lot of big names in there that could truly matter. Uh, but right now, I mean, Kyle Trask there at Florida, he's just – he's rolling. He's rolling heavily. And if it ended today, I think he's the guy you got to give it to. Obviously, again, like we just said, a lot of football to be played, but that guy's – he's playing with his hair on fire right now. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they mentioned um, already that – Yeah, I'd be surprised if he wouldn't. But I mean, at the same time, I don't. I mean, I don't because of the performances he is putting up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're putting up numbers like he is, go for it. <laughs> that's great. Which I, I did see that they said there's going to be a virtual meeting this year, and they're going to do. Yeah, that's strange. You know, so that's going to be kind of fun to watch. Did I did I see correctly that it's also going to be on January fourth? And if that's the case, that's after the first. That's after the semifinal games. It is before the national championship, but it is after semifinal games. I always thought it was after the uh, championship week. I thought it was that following week, before you even get to the playoffs. I may have been incorrect on that in the years past, but ten hours ago, this is according to Bleacher Report. It's okay. We can we can find out. And we Anyways. can put it on there. We can put it on there at a at a later date when it comes. Well, I'm let me let me hit you with a fun little question real quick. If if you uh, 
if you're up for it. It's, uh, it's again, it's all it's all gonna be kind of like seasonal based as far as this goes. And let's hear it. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty easy. Uh, you know, this week is not the week, but next week is. Once we get through this week, as a matter of fact, when we meet this Thursday, we will be a week out from Thanksgiving. So I want to know, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Um, I think I'm most macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese? Look, it's homemade macaroni and cheese, man. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Is you have your traditional, you know, you have your traditional turkey and ham and stuff and, uh-huh. and you know, your traditional stuff, which that's great, but to me, it's, it's everybody's go to. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, you know, that's it. I mean, you don't think a lot, you know, macaroni and cheese, because it's a bait, I'm telling you, it's the best macaroni and cheese you'll ever have. Okay? I, get, I get it, I get it. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it, no judgment here. Because no, no joke. Last time we asked her for her ingredients, she said, I don't have ingredients. I just, just do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Now that's pretty but, impressive. <laughs> now that is a family recipe right there. Yeah, and you've, so you've been doing it. You know that's enough. Like, okay. Yeah, you've been doing it long enough to know. I've got to say, mine, mine, I think is going to be dressing. I mean, it's just so, it's so hard to beat. It's just hard to beat dressing. I ain't talking about none of that you get out of a can or out of a box that you make. I'm talking about just true. True blue, making, 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 making dressing. There's just something about it. Put a little bit of that giblet gravy on there and just make it even better. As far as dessert goes, give me like a pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie. It doesn't matter. I like yams and stuff like that. So I, I love a pumpkin pie. Some people are kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that, but it's, it's good to me as far as the dessert goes. You got a favorite dessert on there too? My best dessert, my favorite dessert is actually my wife's dessert. Now Thanksgiving-wise now. This Thanksgiving. Okay. It's a... Um, pecan pie cheesecake. Oh wow, that actually sounds good. I've I've actually started to get into where I really like pecan pie too. Well, I'm telling you, if you have that one, you'll fall in love with it. <laughs> well, that's gonna be one worth. She does a pecan. She does a pecan pie bottom and a cheesecake on top. Well, that's gonna be one worth trying. Then I'm gonna have to. I might have to get her to maybe not shoot a recipe, but just make it one time for us. Shoot, I gotta take one. I gotta get her to make one so I can take it to work for one of my captains. He loves it. And there you go. And every year so far, he's she's had to make one for him. There you go. Well, we're right here at the end of our time. Mark on it. You guys follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SEC Talk Twenty. Like I've said before, uh, Cody, you got any closing remarks? Excuse me before we jump out of here. Yeah, let's get some input from our audience members. Guys, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Facebook at SEC Talk Twenty, and tell us what is your favorite Thanksgiving meal yeah. or dinner or food or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Like I said, this is your host, Holden and Cody. Hope you guys have a good week. We'll check in with you on Thursday where hopefully we'll have a full slate of games to bring to you guys. And video. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Other than that, we're out, you guys. Y'all have a good week. That's it.